Hola, hola. Hello, Julian. I get that a lot. Yeah. I, get a lot. <laughs> I was going to say, how many, how many um, silly comments have you received about your name throughout like your life? None. None? Absolutely none. none. You know, people just get it immediately. They look up the etymology with respect on mm. their Google app on their phone. Um, no, I've I've heard that one uh, numerous times mm -hmm. uh, amongst many others uh, and in different contexts too. But um, my name does not mean hello in Spanish yeah. because it's not spelled with an H, right? Um, so, uh, but yeah, I, I do get that a lot. Yeah. Hmm. What does your name mean? Oh, wow. A great question. Um, so etymology wise, like meaning the meaning behind a name and its origin, it's, uh, my name is of a lot of different roots and spaces. So, um, actually people, H-O-L-A in Spanish means hello, right? As you, as you, yeah. uh, greeted me with, um, but O-L-A without the H means a wave, like a, like a tidal wave, like water. Um, and in addition to that, it is also uh, a name of Yoruba origin. So primarily from countries uh, in West Africa. So um, it's a popular um, male and female name or male and female identifying name of uh, a lot of um, people, people from Nigeria have Ola in their name. Um, either in their name or, or it is their name. And that meaning in from Yoruba origin is uh, wealth, riches, um, precious, things like that. Um, and in Old Norse, it means ancestor. So it's also a very common name in Scandinavia, uh, mm -hmm. primarily for male identifying people um, as well. And uh, what's the other one? Oh, it's Polish for Alexandra. So sometimes I get from a lot of Polish people, they're like, are you are you Polish? Is your name Alex? I'm like, mm -hmm. no, um, it's, it's just, it's Ola. Um, and that meaning is defender of mankind. So there's a lot to, to live up to, uh, if I were to choose my namesake as something to strive for. Yeah. Yeah. My name's not that interesting. I think at least I, I, don't, I don't know. I haven't done research into my name. It's just, I don't know. I feel like if you have an interesting name, then you can, you have like, the go ahead to search for like interesting stuff about it. But if you just, if your name's Greg, it's like, it's not going to mean like glory of the mountain, you know, it's just you're Greg. <laughs> I mean, I mean, um, I think it, 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 that learning comes through the research, right? Like Julian, like you should maybe, maybe after a call, mm -hmm. you know, or you could look it up right now. Like what is the mm -hmm. meaning of your name? Right. Often a lot of times people have their names uh, from uh, Bible passages um, saints, things like that, or it's a, um, you know, passed on from an ancestor or a grandparent, uh, like, for example, like my, my brother and I don't have middle names. Uh, and that is like, you know, especially, uh, I'm, I'm of, uh, Italian heritage, uh, yeah. Southern Italian heritage. And that's very common to have a middle name and your middle name is, is your, one of your parents' names, or it might be a grandparent's name a godparent's name and uh that's yeah we were born without middle names that people are like what like how do you how do you not have a middle name and so yeah but i think everyone has a special name and and i think names are you know they're chosen for reasons but when they're chosen out of intuition and feeling i think that's something kind of spiritual too i think it's one to maybe 
live up to a name and and that is kind of the case of myself maybe because you know my, my parents uh chose it i i believe it was in an art context it, it was i i have to fact check that with with my mom and dad but um but yeah, when it's chosen intuitively, I think you can follow that alignment in however that uh, flows in your life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Well, speaking about your family, your family is slowly taking over this podcast little by little. By little. We've had your dad on, now you're on. And Luca Rosano's your cousin? Yes, yeah, he is, he is. Um, by like, I think, like a second, third cousin. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I saw that you spoke with him. Yeah, he's doing amazing work right now. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he has great content that he's putting out there. But yeah, the Mazuka dynasty is taking over his CFY. I don't know. I'm a little bit concerned. I have to say, you guys, <laughs> you guys are coming in a bit too fast. I'm a bit weary of it, but it's okay. Okay, cool, cool. Well, thank <laughs> yeah. you for featuring us, and yeah, thanks for speaking with my dad too. That's really cool. Yeah, no, he's he's a he's a fun guy. He's an interesting guy. Has a lot of interesting things to say. He does. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So tell, tell the people who are listening right now about Sonic Fold. Like, what is, what is Sonic Fold? Sorry, it's 11 a.m. Uh, and I'm not used to, like, being this alert at this time. No problem. No problem. <laughs> well, thank you, for, thank you for being prepared so early. I appreciate it. Um, no problem. Yeah. Uh, what is Sonic Fold? Sonic Fold is um, a two-fold platform. Um, that I founded. It is a uh, part consultation platform where I um, open up that space to um, artists, creatives, organizations um, that do work or are founded on diversity, community inclusion. Um, Basically, my my MO is diverse voices cultivating community connections. And what Mm. that means is highlighting people, organizations, spaces, Mm -hmm. um, socially social action driven platforms um, that uh, highlight um, community in unique, diverse, inclusive ways and primarily through the arts. Um, I think that also stems from my roots as a music journalist and music and culture journalist for 12, 13 years almost. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I'm also a publicist in the music industry. So it's part consultation platform where I offer um, support to people looking for methods of assistance in developing their media platforms and ways to go about that. Um, and it's also part podcast. So it acts as that twofold way of bringing in and developing a community. Um, and the podcast highlights those people, organizations doing that fantastic work. And it doesn't always have to be people that I collaborate with. I consider every single podcast engagement and conversation a collaboration in itself to help facilitate one to have that story shared and to, to do that is a great honor. Um, and then it just flows from there. Like I, I initially started it as a means to have a community network space and a pool of people doing awesome things in the community that could learn about each other through the podcast. And the podcast would be like a phone book per se, like a, mm-hmm. like almost like, like a network where you could be like, instead of having a business card, I wanted it to be an oral, like a U R a L like a, like a listening an audio mm-hmm. business card to hear about someone's story. Because I feel these days you could hand someone a piece of paper, but are you really getting their story? Are you really getting the intention and the heart behind their work and the intention behind what they're doing? So 
my my goal with it was like I want to create a space where people could listen to all these cool stories about what these awesome people and organizations are doing and then from there maybe say hey I could collaborate with you and that eventually just it took place on its own like I have people that have been on the podcast where you know a friend of mine saw someone that was on the podcast at an event in Toronto and recognized them from the podcast and now they collaborate with each other on events and that's happened with multiple people it's just you'll hear one thing oh you know I met up with so-and-so and we got coffee and now they're gonna help me with this project and I'm like wow like that's and, and not saying that I'm responsible for that but if there was yeah. any like ingredient to helping that process for someone then hey, then I'm, I'm doing what I set out to do. So it's it's been an incredible journey. Um, at, cumulatively, I've been podcasting for about five years and I'm learning all the time, but Sonic Fold has been a great joy and very challenging experience, but very joyful experience to be able to connect so many people and also learn about so many people. And uh and it's been nice. It's been nice to support friends and newly welcome people doing awesome work through that. Yeah. When I saw you, like when I saw in your Instagram profile, it said diverse voices, cultivating community connections. I'm like, wow, that that's slick alliteration. That, I, I, I appreciate alliteration when I see it. So I'm like, you know, that that's nice words, you know? Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Many years yeah. of writing. Yeah. So you mentioned that you're a music journalist. Uh, what, or you were, I'm not sure. Do you still do, are you still a part of like, um, journalism? Are you, are you actively yeah. like reporting on things in the music industry? No, I'm not actively reporting as like a freelancer or, or a writer for any publication. Mm -hmm. Um, because I am a, I am a publicist mm -hmm. in the music industry now. So I work with, uh, another diverse range of um, artists and bands um, of all styles and genres from Canada and around the world. Um, I work for a boutique uh, music publicity and management agency in Toronto called Indoor Recess, and uh, I'm a publicist there. But uh, uh, with, with journalism, Sonic Fold is my means of maintaining my journalism, basically, by doing mm -hmm. the podcast. Because I do a lot of research and I put a lot of time and effort in crafting questions in the interviews as I would for a magazine or another publication. So it's my way of preserving that side of myself. So I do still consider myself both a journalist and a publicist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Podcasting is, has become a really interesting like um, way of com uh, connecting with people because it's like, in a way it's like a blog now, like that it's something I heard somebody say, it's like podcasts are the new way of blogging. Just if people don't want to write, you talk and, words are easier than writing in uh, some cases. So it's just like, it's not like podcasting. is not like radio. It's not like uh, just listen to this and enjoy it. It's not just about entertainment, which is uh, interesting. Mm -hmm. It's just in a way kind of strange, but in a good way to see like podcasting, which is kind of vague in and of itself be used in like um, different avenues, like the way that you use it, which is cool yeah thank you yeah well and you're doing great work as well i really i love the way that you've uh you've formatted your space too i love the mm -hmm. illustrations those are yeah. so cool they're so so cool um and i think the conversations are awesome it's great to start somewhere and i think i think the more we listen to people openly um mm -hmm. 
you know, and engage with them in that way, then the more powerful the work is. Yeah. Uh, people don't listen enough. I mean, they do. Maybe they don't realize that they like listen, but it's like people aren't actively listening. Everybody just kind of wants to scream and get get their opinion out there, but nobody nobody's doing like the the job of just sitting back and kind of hearing somebody out, just listening to what they have to say, which is uh I don't know, kind of um, troubling in a way, but I don't know. I feel like people should be open to talking about different things and difference of opinion is cool, but I don't know if other people think that way. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think that's also a reflection of how we interact as humans, right? Mm -hmm. Like if we're consuming content so quickly, which is no fault of anyone because we are thrown so much content at a rapid pace, right? You know, you open up Spotify or a, a streaming platform for music, new release, new release, this radar, that hmm. radar, playlist, playlist, da 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 Yeah. What do I listen to first? Oh my gosh, you know? Um, and then you open up Instagram, content, content, buy this, buy that, listen to this, watch this, stream this, mm-hmm. live now, live now, live now, you get your reminders, right? And I think that, that abundance is very great. It's fantastic. But at the same time, um, it might be, so I don't know if you saw that. Did you see the text thing come down? No. no. Okay, good. I'm just trying to, sorry, I'm getting notification, notifications. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> see, right? Too many, yeah, that. too many notifications. Perfect example, right? Notifications. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, just, just you know, and I'm, I'm here, I'm present with you, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm supposed to be engaging and listening with you, but there we go. It's a prime example of the overconsumption and the just abundance in our face 24-7. Um, so it's not always a negative thing, but I think the more we can practice that active listening and, um, I'm trying to do uh, a lot better at it myself as well. I'm trying to remind myself of a lot of that active listening, mm-hmm. the more it'll reflect in our, in humankind, right. And getting back to that, that, um, quiet and that present and that active focus with, with those that we care about and those yeah. we are learning about. So, yeah. Uh, you said like, I agree. We don't have to, we shouldn't, you can't hold, um, the consumers accountable, like the, the average person on Instagram, but I feel like we should, um, be holding like the creators of these platforms accountable because it's like, in a way you're slowly decaying our, our means of communication, which is a, it's a dangerous thing. It's just like when you have, um, 10,000 people commenting on a large post and they're doing that 50 times, 60 times in a day or something like that. And you have these absurd posts and um, like just so much content out there. It's just, nobody's really saying anything. They're just saying stuff for the sake of saying it. They just want to put something out there because either they want to feel like they have a voice or they want to be recognized, but it's like nobody, nobody actually cares in a way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you see that a lot on a lot of artist posts as well. There's like so many things, whether it's a positive thing or a negative comment. Yeah, people Um, get into debates in the comments. They get into full-blown debates with like 80 replies. And sometimes I read them because they're fun, (laughs) but toxic. Toxic, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, for, for someone like you too, like how do you maintain your own mental health and your wellness by consuming Mm -hmm. all of that, you know, like, uh, how are you mindful of that? And what kind of content are you engaging with? It's mm-hmm. also very important. So, yeah, yeah, I have a nasty habit of reading comments. Like 
I have to like stop myself when I watch a YouTube video. First thing I do, go into the comments, start reading the comments. And then I'll see somebody says something outlandish. I hit like, oh, 13 replies. This must be a good one. And then like somebody gets into a full blown debate and by like reply eight, they're already like roasting somebody's mom. And then it's just, it's peak content, I have to say. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it gets, it gets out of control um, sometimes. And, and it also makes me wonder a lot, especially about artists. Like I see, mm -hmm. like you said, like those thousands, those thousands and thousands of comments, and I'm just like, like, is someone managing this account? Like, do yeah. does the artist read them? Like, mm -hmm. I, I can't imagine opening up your phone and it's just like, you know, like, and yeah, it, it's a lot. It's a if lot. I if I was a if I was uh, a musician right now, I would I would have. Uh, somebody run my Instagram if I was like if I had the ability to do so because there's a lot of independent artists who have to you know navigate through social media yeah now it's all about you know putting your sound out on TikTok having a good snippet then translating that into streams and then people following you on Instagram looking at your new music video on YouTube and it's just like the the, the mystique of um, an artist isn't there anymore because you have to spread yourself so thin you have to constantly be putting something out there which is like annoying you know it's like i, I don't want to i don't want to see your breakfast you know i, I want to like hear your music in a way that's a very interesting yeah that's a that's a great great point mm -hmm. that you just made you know is like how how often how much do we really care about the personal lives and and that might be you right that might mm -hmm. be I mean, that's me in a lot of contexts as well as like I want to see you know what you've been working on in silence and in full presence and quiet and then when you unleash it to the world it's like damn you know this mm -hmm. is really really good it's a good product um it's a good piece of art mm -hmm. um and I think there's a lot of value in that but I, it's it's you know especially with everything happening in the last few months too there's there's been more of that intimate light being shared between all of us because it is the only way we can share intimate parts of our life with people is through digital means whether that's facetime with a family member or a friend um and then like online because people have also taken to their homes now to live stream things and and do a lot of that from from there because mm -hmm. they're aren't any venues open and, and things like that have been impacted. And, and even me, like I, I've been live streaming, not live streaming, but doing live chats um, for a series that I started called community catch up. Mm -hmm. And I would never have done that. Like I was even shocked when I started, I was like, I'm actually doing this. Like mm -hmm. what? Cause I'm not a big social media person. You know, I'm, I, I, I don't share a lot of like too, too much about my, my, my personal, um, life on there all the time I, I and I'm not very well versed in how social media works either like I'm hmm. like it takes me forever to make some sort of graphic on like create mode like I'm yeah I'm not, I'm not very good at it you know mm -hmm. um so. yeah the the rush for like creating content is annoying it, it makes me like not enjoy certain parts of like doing this podcast for example like I enjoy talking to people but then having to at, put it on Instagram, um, follow a bunch of people, connect with a bunch of people, just like in a way, artificial networking, that's just like inorganic and then putting up stuff and then looking at the numbers for each like I get on for each uh, post I get. It's just like, it, it takes you out of it. It sucks. It's stupid. 
But, like, there's no, like, this is the way we do things now, you know? It's, like, digital word of mouth in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, it's It's been an interesting tool, you know, uh, that people have been using now, like you said, as networking. And uh, networking and dating, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's like Instagram is also, it's become this, this place that people think they can use it instead of a phone or traditional yeah, email. And um, I don't know. I, I this that's just my perspective. I'm very old school. Like I'm, yeah. I'm very. I'm just an old school person when it comes to a lot of different things. Like I have turntables mm. behind me. Yeah. I, I'm I'm an all vinyl vinyl DJ. Like I, you know what mm. I mean. Like, yeah. It, it's just it's just uh, part of how I roll. But um, for now, I'm always open to expansion for sure. But but I, I think, yeah, some some human level of connection and communication can be really lost in technology. Yeah, I, I don't want uh, vinyl record shops to close down. That would be like, like one in particular, like I, I really like uh, Cops uh, Records on Queen Street. And it's just like, I, I like, I don't want that place to go anywhere. It's nice. You know, why can't we like, we should have nice um, nostalgic places. So it's just like I hope that I hope this uh pandy doesn't wipe out um um really cool things. I'm I so agree with you. I'm going back to that nostalgia and like that old school mentality. Like when Honest Ed's closed, I was mm-hmm. like devastated. Like my family and I, like, you know, we talked to my dad about it. Like my we grew up with Honest Ed's because that is like that store was such a hub for immigrants in Canada, mm-hmm. all immigrants, because it was where you could get a lot of discount kitchen supplies, food. Um, and to this day, like before they closed, they sold so many imported goods of, from all countries, like food yeah. wise and snack wise. And, you know, um, so many good housewares and clothing and things like that. Yeah. Appliances, stuff like that. And then Galleria mall, which is in my neighborhood that was torn down. People complain about it. They, they make fun of it. And I am like that person that is like, don't hate on Zellers. Don't hate on Honest Eds. Don't yeah. hate on Galleria Mall. Like those are the gems that we need to, yeah. to, to get back to human connection maybe, you know? And yeah. Like, it's just, so, I went to Honest Eds once with like bef- right before I closed down and it was like, it was a cool experience. And then what they put there, condos? there will be yes so the that, mall, that, that pisses yeah. me off that that like they got rid of Scotiabank theater as well um oh, know that wow i'm pretty like uh you know which one i'm talking about it's on it's like on richmond on richmond yes thank you um i think either in may or something i don't know if it's still there because of the pandemic and everything but they were planning on like taking it down putting up condos there which just just you're we're gonna be living like friggin rats just stacked on top of each other and it's just like i don't know it it makes me it makes me aggravated i have to say it's just disappointing to see just like you know sell the place put up a condo and then there's gonna be condos everywhere and then there's no character in this area it's just a bunch of concrete friggin living areas it's just just annoying i don't know yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with that a lot. And I, I think it, it, you know, it's a product of gentrification and a lot of change, but you're also taking away a lot of that 
that connection, you know, I mean, it's like it, it, that, that community aspect it goes back to community. And, and, you know, for example, uh, I was born in Rexdale and I grew yeah. up right behind the Rexdale mall for, for a bit of my, my childhood. And, um, that mall, you know, you, even my own grandfather would, you know, visit from Mississauga, my, my, my late grandmother and, you know, he would have homies, like he'd have friends at the mall mm. where he would go to the center part of Rexdale Plaza and sit on a bench and talk to all the men there and just hang out, right? And Galleria had that too. Um, I live in a very, uh, the community has a lot of uh, Portuguese immigrants um, that are elders now. So the mall would have this four square, like the square of benches. Mm -hmm. And um, I... I am a member of Planet Fitness. So like I would yeah. walk to the gym every morning and you see them and it's like 7.30 and you know, they're there with their coffees and they're, there's a, there was a Portuguese bakery like right in the mall yeah. called Bakery and they would just get their coffee and their, their natas and, and just like sit and talk to each other. And I think, you know, this, especially elders that's, that need that community and that connection as they, as they age and as, they reflect on their lives like that community is lost and when you take away those spaces like what is going to happen to those people what is going to happen to the state of people's well-being right so yeah um so i'm all for you know cleaning up in a certain way but but not when it comes to taking away community you know i'm i'm i i don't want to get too much into it but but communities need to take stock of, of what community organizers and people at that hierarchy and that level need to take stock of what is needed in the community and what, what people really need, you know, mm -hmm. listen to the people going back to listening, listen to the people. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, when anyway. I see like two Starbucks coffees on the same street, it infuriates me. Like, I don't know why, but they're everywhere. If you, if you want to talk about like uh, gentrification, I guess. I don't know. I don't really know. Like the pro, I, the word gets thrown around a lot. I kind of just like, oh yeah, um, you know. I don't. I don't have like the most um, concrete understanding of it. You can say, but um, I don't know. When I just see like a bunch of uh, chains or establishments in an area that's like supposed to be a, a hub for culture and cool things, it just makes me mad to see that friggin' Green Mermaid logo. I don't know. I have a beef with Starbucks. Yeah, no, I totally, I, I, I totally get that. Um, yeah, it's that corporate consumerist yeah. <laughs> society in that world that we live in where they're just popping up everywhere. Right. And it's mm. like, what is, what is India anymore? Like you mentioned cops, right? Yeah. Um, those independent businesses and that those spaces that we need to be not only conscious of supporting now because the world is going through a lot of uh, hardship and challenges, but all yeah. the time all the time. I mean, and, and I think, you know, I'm very grateful that I've always had that value for that because I come from, you know, my parents running an arts-based independent small business mm -hmm. for over 25 years. Um, you know, and that instilled a lot in us to be mindful of how we consume. And I'm, we're all guilty of going to Walmart, like, yeah, you know, because going you, places, cause you need it. It's the name of the game. Yeah. It's the name of the game we there's financial things involved there's there's a lot right mm -hmm. but where possible i do believe it's good to support the local um when when you can and um you know like i 
I, I did it this week. I bought a plant for a friend and um, instead of going to the grocery store to buy a plant and then go somewhere to buy a planter, I went to a newly opened store down the street from me and um, they're called Pictus Goods and they sell really beautiful plants and planters and, and all of the other apothecary and wellness products and other things in the shop are all um, from women run and own companies and businesses. So things like that, it's like, oh, like how does this create a domino effect in the world and in spaces where you can support, but is there an intention behind the, the company and the organization or the business you're supporting that will, that will um, uh, you know, it, inspire a chain link of support to other people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially now in this pandemic, um, supporting small business is important just because then everything's just going to be Amazon. You're going to have Jeff Bezos and his his monopoly everywhere, and it's just going to be Amazon and major big box retailers and stuff like that. And it's just then that's no fun. You you want to keep you want to keep the the local places alive, which is just like, yeah. How, how about you? Like, what are some local businesses um, where you live or things that you like to support? Like you mentioned cops, which is, you know, mm-hmm. awesome. I'm glad to hear that you like vinyl records. I, could, mm-hmm. a- I don't have a good vinyl record player though. Be- the one I have is like one of those like crossly, it's just like one of those crappy ones with the needle and I don't, and I don't want them to wreck my, uh, wreck the records I have. So I'm just gonna, they're sitting on my shelf. I look at them. It's nice. Then I got my books on the other side of the shelf. It's great. So, yeah. In terms of small businesses, I don't know. Just like um, places to eat um, near me. Like there's a good pizza place near me. Uh, there's a bakery. Just like the simple things. I don't know. Just that. And it, going to a chain is it's fine sometimes, but it's like it's good to switch things up. Yeah. definitely diversify diversify that Mm -hmm. yeah it's important it's important i agree Mm -hmm. it's just you don't want to have a walmart and then beside a walmart another large retail store and then i don't know maybe i'm sounding a bit um out of touch but it's just like um, it's just it's you know (laughs) you know it's just there's it's like the the way we used to live is like slowly decaying and like, I don't know. I like nostalgia. This is rambly, but yeah, it's just, I, it's strange to see a transition in the way we live, I guess, just going from more um, community to now everything separated and distant and over-reliance on technology in our lives and whatever you want to say. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel that. I feel that it's a good time for people to, to, ponder on their values right I've been trying to do that a lot too in this time is like where do your values lie and how you consume things how you connect um a lot of learning so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah this is if you're not like evaluating on your life I guess in this time then either you don't have the luxury of being able to think uh, about your life during this time or you're just like not being an opportunist which is frustrating I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just you want to maximize on potential because you don't want to be the person that just gets left in the wayside and everyone else moves on because that's a it's a scary thing. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people are feeling that right now. 
Yeah, definitely. It's, it's very, everything's highly un- unknown and mm-hmm. people are just doing the best that they can in the capacities that they can ultimately um, just to figure it out. Yeah, it's strange. Um, how has your um, time in the music industry been? Like a lot of people say the music industry is like toxic, not a lot of support for um, artists. It's, it's a kind of dog eat dog and is that the, is that the saying i don't know personally it's like everyone's it's a very competitive space and it's like not a lot of support for artists mental health and things like that so can you kind of yeah i'm, I'm curious sure sure yeah um i mean there are a lot of ways in which the industry can improve Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of things that have been happening, especially as of late, have been pushing people to improve a lot more and to be more mindful of where support can be allocated and created for, for artists, especially independent artists. Um, not everyone is signed. A lot of people are independent. They, they rely on a lot of government-based grants and funding and arts funding. And I think, you know, it ranges from province to province. And I'm not a huge expert on the grant system. Like, I, I can't... Um, I can only speak to my knowledge and, and, and limited experience, but um, it, th- that support for artists ranges in Canada, at least um, by like part of Canada and province and the way that there's, you know, funding is laid out there uh, for arts. But yeah, we definitely need a lot more support for that. Um, a lot more resources, especially for um, women identifying um people in, in the music industry, black indigenous people of color in the music industry, um, mm. any marginalized communities that, that have any type of art, uh, essentially. So um, I think any, any sort of way that we can band together and develop those resources, like that's, that's important. Um, coming from the, like the government level and the financial level, like allocating more of that is really important. Being mindful of who is sitting on boards, like that's really strong too, is like, who is at the helm of making decisions, right? Who is at the helm of making decisions and hearing those people out and really like deciphering where the needs are and mm-hmm. how to apply how to apply things where those needs are met. Um, what do you mean it, by that? Like, what do you mean by who is like, what do you mean by these people on the boards? Like, what's well, your I mean, vision, I guess, for who should be on these boards? Well, there, there are a lot of, um, in any type of space, really, you know, it's being mindful of sitting on boards where decision making happens. So um, making sure those, those boards are diverse and inclusive, right? So having um, a diverse array of people that are sharing their experiences that are personal and professional um, to reflect those needs of a diverse community, right? Because going back to that word community, everyone is different. Everyone comes from a different experience in their life. And so I think the more that we have that reflected and heard on like a, a level of where um, decisions are made, so boards or any, any t- type of foundational kind of organizational space, um, mm-hmm. having people from diverse communities represent that is really important because I think that's when the the relative connection and hearing people out from a from a root of experience um, is more or could be more likely, hopefully, and mm-hmm. that's when the needs will be understood a bit better and met a bit better. Yeah. Um, but but I think Toronto had also you know 
it, despite some of where things can improve from that level, I think Toronto has a great, like, like I, I'm really grateful to say, like, I know so many people doing really, really cool things. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of my friends do fantastic work. They have a lot of community-based organizations and platforms and spaces that they utilize to help other people. So like, that's, that's so cool to me, right? People are very DIY in their ethic. And I come from a DIY ethic, as I call it, um, from my parents, you know, is like, how do we, you know, I have this quote on my fridge and I, I picked it up from Heart House at U of T when I went to do an interview at CIUT last winter. And um, it's, this is not verbatim, but mm-hmm. uh, it says like, create the community that, create the space that you want to be a part of, you know, and, and I think coming from so many years of feeling like an outsider myself in so many different contexts, it's, I think it's important to look at that as how can we be DIY in our practice. And yes, it's very challenging. And, and yes, we don't always have the financial support to get to where we want to get to. Um, unfortunately, sometimes what it takes to just develop more resources or support methods uh, whether it's that or organizational or time that is of mm-hmm. limitation. But if you can at least start somewhere and have that DIY ethic that fuels you to say, I want to do this to create that space for myself and for others, then I think that's very powerful. And um, I, I'm really lucky to know a lot of people doing that type of work in Toronto through various mediums and means and capacities for various arts initiatives, women's initiatives, social enterprises. And I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. You mentioned government like funding in music. Like, so these artists are getting like grants to just like do their thing. Like, how does that work? Because I find it interesting, like how government and art kind of coexist because I was listening to this litigator turned YouTube uh, YouTuber uh, Viva Frey, and he was talking about basically how like politics and government kind of ruins a lot of art. It ruins TV. It ruins music. Like how many times have you like turned on the TV and then you're watching something and there's a political statement there and just like ah, this, I, w- I was just watching a sitcom, you know? Like so, like how does government and art? How does that work? I guess. Well, um, things cost money. Yeah. <laughs> Artists have to get paid. Producers mm-hmm. need to get paid to live, to mm-hmm. make their art. Engineers. Yeah. Um, in studio artists and multi-instrumentalists. Mm-hmm. Everything. Everything. Live, you know, touring bands and performers. Um, how does that work? You have to apply. I, I know that there are some cases where awards are given mm-hmm. uh, or bursaries and things like that. Similar to in high school, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, but but it's still an application process. Um, there are a variety of uh, programs, funding programs, um, where you can apply for support. Um, and a lot of them offer a lot of great support, a lot of great resources to do this type of work. Um, and, and years ago, I, I also worked on a government-supported um, uh, art project at the McMichael Canadian Art Collection. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, I have a bit of experience there working with like a grants, a grants driven like project system. Um, 
but with, yeah, with, with the arts, like there's Ontario Arts Council, which they support a lot of different mediums. So there's like, they do mm -hmm. film, visual arts, some music, live performance, theater, Toronto Arts Council factor, which is primarily for um, recording. Um, so you, there's like a, you could apply for a grant around like the marketing of your upcoming album, for example. Um, you can apply for a grant that will support you in the recording process of that. So there's a lot of different streams. It's very lengthy, but it does involve an application process. And, um, you know, there's, there's uh, a jury that consults on that application process in some cases as well. Um, a few years ago, I was on the jury for Factor. Um, so things like that. Uh, and, and they offer great support. Um, but once again, it can be sometimes just very limited in what, what the, the amount of, of um, finances that can be on, on available to artists. So it varies. And like I said, I'm not an expert in this, but I think where it's possible to, to, to do something that can help someone create powerful work and, and live their lives as an artist, then it's, 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 uh, it's beautiful. Um, and in my case, years ago, I uh, did a project that was supported by um, the Enabling Change Project, uh, which is um, part of the Accessibility Directorate of Ontario, uh, Ministry of Economics, Culture, Tourism. I forgot the ministry division in Ontario, but uh, yeah, I basically... For around three years, I was the project coordinator of the McMichael Enabling Change Project, which um, supported the gallery in developing and delivering accessible art programming for people living with various special needs and accessibility um, challenges and, and barriers. Mm -hmm. So um, it was, yeah, it was off. It was it was such a. I think that's that's a great uh, root and foundation of why I do some of the work I do today too. Is from that experience. Mm -hmm. Can the average, uh, like, Toronto musician or artist um, make a living just solely on their art? Or do you find that, like, they usually have, like, a side hustle or they're involved in, like, many different things in order to, like, make a living? This is very dependent on every single person, you mm -hmm. know. Um, it's, it really depends on every single person. It varies. I think it helps... Like right now, people are not touring, right? Yeah. Um, touring, especially summertime, you're playing big festivals, things like that. Touring is a great, a great source of income and support financially for artists, whether it's an independent artist or a, a major label signed artist, you know? Um, touring is a great deal. It helps a great deal. I think, yeah, artists can live off their art. It's very possible. It just depends on what capacity, right? Like there are so many factors. Like, are you a touring artist? If you're a visual artist, is your work commercial work? Is it being sold? Like there's so many, so many layers. So to answer that in a apologies, very vague. Yeah, it's just, it, it depends it, on the person. It yeah. depends on your situation. But I mm -hmm. think right now, one of, yeah, one of the biggest levels of financial support for artists is touring. And that's just cut as a result of For the, the yeah. pandy. Um, I don't know. I, I, I heard that on a, like, um, I think it's called the, the bad friends podcast. That's where it came from. And it's just like, what, what a cute term for something so fugly and awful. And, you know, just put a Y at the end of it. Shorten it. Yeah. I'm, 
I'm getting to, you know, I, I made a, I made a rule. I think that's kind of a candy. I think, I think of like panties. I'm like, hey, pandy. Yeah. Nah, it's nah, just, I don't just like, I don't know. That's what people do. Shorten things up and stuff like that. Uh, do you have like any, any, like, have you heard any like word within like the industry about like how, um, artists are going to get back to like live shows and touring are they are they going to like be using drive-ins for tours like have you heard anything interesting um this is a great yeah great question i get often i often have been asked a lot julian like you know um what do you foresee like what is the future Mm -hmm. going to hold and it's like i i do not know because day to day we're told that venues might open in september and now they might not open until March, I don't, you know, I, yeah. I have no answer, but in terms of the format and uh, method of touring and live performance, um, we're starting to see a lot of, um, yeah, there's some drive-in concerts, drive-in movie theaters, or the go- there goes another element of nostalgia yeah. for you, drive-in theaters, yeah, but that's... now they're, they're expensive, right? Because mm-hmm. the demand is there, so it's like, okay, you know, well, who can even Walmart, they're like putting in drive-in movie theaters in like 160 of their stores across the U S just because there's a demand for them. But it's just like, I don't know. It's like, you're telling me in a field of creatives, you've got, you guys have been sitting for like four months and you can't come up with like anything, you know, what about like an outdoor social distancing music festival where masks are mandatory? You know, everybody has a designated area and it's completely outdoors and it's at limited capacity and then you get artists and yeah you put plexiglass up and it's all the safety measures are there you have sanitation stations and yeah yeah i think people um, would be interested in that maybe you should pitch it maybe Hmm. you should pitch it to a big music festival or promoter but like there's so many there's so much like red tape that it's just like i don't even know if people would be interested in doing that and then you have to and then you have to test all these people you have to you have to purchase all the uh, personal protective equipment hand sanitizer so it's just like a lot of expenses and not a lot of like um, people can support that yeah um there are a lot of factors you just Mm -hmm. said it it's just factors you know there's so many logistics and Mm -hmm. i don't know i mean i we'll see what happens. I, I'm a part of me also thinks like, how fun is it to have that lack of engagement yeah. or physical closeness with your favorite artist and, and your yeah. friends, you know, like you're going to be dancing mm-hmm. at a with distance. The shield, yeah. You know, um, or what about like those, um, what if you get like those, um, have you ever seen those bubble soccer bubbles? You do that. That would be funny. A bubble soccer music festival. What, what like the ones that you roll, you put, you roll yeah. around it? Yeah. That's, I guess that could be kind of fun. Yeah. Um, if somebody ever it. takes these ideas, you know what? I'm gonna, I don't know. These are my ideas. Mine. Write it, write it down. Pat yeah. it back. Well, it's it. going to be out on the internet, you know, so it, it'll be there. Digital note. Uh, yeah, but. Well, even like um, Dave Chappelle, he started doing comedy shows outside because somebody, I, I believe, like he he's using a wedding pavilion 
and he's doing shows outside, which is cool. It's just, you're telling me like a stadium that fits like 80,000 people, you can't have it at like 10% capacity, have people like spaced out, have masks or make masks mandatory. And it's completely outside like baseball and football uh, stadiums. Like that's, that's, and you have it out in the sun where it's like, you know, we'll see, you know, like, we'll see what, mm-hmm. what happens. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it, is, it, this is all also dependent on how those that are testing it, right? Like mm-hmm. doing those, those trials of these experiences, whether it's like a drive-in situation or um, a distance thing like Dave Chappelle is doing. It's that trial element of like, you know, what is the result of this? How successful was it? Were they able to, was everyone respecting the protocols and was everyone respecting just everything, right? Like are people, people protected enough? Um, There's a lot. I think it depends on just keep giving it a go and giving it a try. But, but I mean, you know, even me, I go to so many shows per month, right? Because it's part of my, my job and my work. And like I was supposed to go to South by Southwest for the first time. Yeah. That's not happening. And yeah. And and even like they postponed Coachella to October, like, you know, California is not, I don't know what the numbers are. I'm not a doctor, but like, I don't know if that's going to happen, but yeah. Totally. Maybe do a zoom Coachella. How about that? (laughs) How lame would that be? Everyone wearing, everyone wearing their glittery outfits and they're just behind a computer screen. And then you have, I don't know, Frank Ocean performing. No. Yeah. Don't make Frank Ocean do a, I love Frank Ocean. So, yeah. So, yeah. He needs to put out another album though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, what's your favorite Frank Ocean album? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not the biggest Frank Ocean fan. I've listened, I haven't listened to like all of his stuff, but I guess Blonde because I've just listened to more of it. Like I, I, I remember like I got, I saw an article or like a video on Complex. They were talking about like they were interviewing people on the street um, in 2016. And 20, 2016 was a fun year for music. It was an interesting year for music, especially mm-hmm. like um, rap and, you know, R&B and all that kind of stuff. Kanye West had uh, his life of our St. Pablo tour. So fun, fun stuff. I was doing a presidential run. So things are strange, but anyways, um, yeah. He, Frank Ocean should put out another album real quick. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I love him. Um, I listen to like my, one of my favorites is endless. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I don't, I don't have Apple music, so I can't, I can't listen to it. Yeah. I mean, I, I have it on vinyl. Um, oh, I had, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean, and I listen to it just on online and stuff, but but like vinyl, like it's just such a beautiful project and it's a visual mm-hmm. project, and I think it was very intentional. Um, but yeah, I mean, like even for you right now, like what's what kind of music do you like and what have you been engaging with as of late? Mm, I listen to a lot of um rap right now, like that. I, I also listen to um the beatles a lot i listen to mac demarco a lot i like 21 pilots don't care i know everyone uh, not everyone likes those guys but i do so i don't i don't care um but yeah i like mac demarco i listen to a lot of post malone i don't know i like to switch it up i i, I don't like getting i don't like being stuck in the same thing 
but yeah <sighs> music yeah you know it's just i forgot what i was gonna say i was i was thinking about um i was talking about frank ocean oh yes getting uh the purpose of endless was actually to like get out of uh, a record deal with def jam and then he released yep. blonde as an independent artist so it just like goes to show you that a lot of artists get screwed out of uh or a lot of artists get screwed by their um, record labels, you know? Yeah. It, it, like it once again, varies, varies between, between yeah. experiences as an artist, but yeah, that's a good example too of, of that DIY ethic of him being like, yeah, last one, wrapping mm-hmm. it up, doing my thing. And then um, proceeding with the rest. Right. And, and he's also extremely just creatively adept and innovative in his work where, going back mm. to that DIY ethic per se is um, can be very strong for all people if they, you know, take, take their innovative practice and put it forward. Um, but yeah, you don't need to be signed to. Yeah. Do anything. Yeah. Even Drake, he put out um, when he put out Scorpion, he had an A side and a B side, but he counted it or counted it as two albums. So it just like, changed his record deal or i think he either got out of his record deal or he had like one last album to do so it's just like even now um i don't like little uzi vert and nav both put out um like pretty overblown projects and then for the deluxe they had a separate album so it's like they're putting out a deluxe version but it's another album which is like i don't want that to be a trend because it's just annoying yeah, it's just oh there's a lot of overblown uh, projects now like um i just saw i was scrolling through instagram and i think it was like shinny Aiko. i don't know if i'm pronouncing her name right i don't listen to her music but she had like an album with 29 songs like that's a long project yeah yeah that's like that's why i, I liked what the weekend did with after hours he's like one of the um like few mainstream artists who's like kept his um mystique while still being like out there and um connected with people but uh yeah 14 songs that's all you need like and make sure it's quality you know just a lot of a lot of nonsense quality over quantity sometimes Mm -hmm. right that's what it is name of the game yeah i have a few friends that put out three track eps recently Mm-hmm. But the songs are all, every song is amazing. You know, it's beautiful. It's intentional. It's, it's wonderfully packaged. And sometimes that's all you need. So, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. I, re- I would rather have an artist like put out an EP that's stellar with maybe like five or six tracks that'll just blow you away versus 29 songs that are all equally mediocre, um, overproduced, um, hastily thrown together. Is that the word? I don't know. Adjectives. <laughs> but yeah. 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 It's just I don't know. The industry's changing. Things move things change over time. People are constantly demanding more. And yeah, I don't know. That's just I don't know. You would know better than I do. So I'm I'm learning yeah. every day, Julian. I tell you, I would learn every single day. So mm-hmm. All right, I think we've been rolling for over 50 minutes. This has been good. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on.
thank you so much for having me and for mm -hmm. listening and engaging and for all the incredible work that you do, Julian. I'm really mm -hmm. inspired by your your enterprising, uh, innovative, creative spirit. And mm -hmm. uh, I guess I don't know. It's like for me, it's just like I could be doing more. <laughs> oh, we all we all tell ourselves that, right? I'm, yeah. I'm 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 my biggest critic. Trust me, every single moment of my day, but. Um, but yeah, uh, keep on, you know, doing great work that you do. And thanks for taking the time to speak to so many awesome people and creatives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fun. I, I, I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it. So yeah, there's just, there's a selfish aspect to it. I, I want to like, it's like, I'm, I'm curious to know about things. So I like talk to somebody. It's just, it's not all just so I can, you know, engage and this and that. It's like, if I think you're doing something cool, I, I want to talk to you. So thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Do you have anything to like shout out before um, we wrap it up? Wow. Shout out. Uh, or anything you have to plug? Um, if anyone wants to learn more about Sonic Fold, you can fo follow Sonic Fold um, on Instagram at Sonic Fold, S-O-N-I-C-F-O-L-D sonicfold.com s-o-n-i-c-f-o-l-d.com and uh i guess as as uh much as i've been using it i i just want to say continue to support your community and practice community all caps on unity u-n-i-t-y mm -hmm. that's how we do it and um yeah just try to look out for community when and where you can and have capacity and yeah have conversations from yesterday. Yeah, not to be confused with today or tomorrow. So not exactly, exactly. Stay present, but have conversations from yesterday. Rep, uh, uh, respect nostalgia mm -hmm. and all that good stuff. Yeah. All right. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you.